10. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another session of Conversations with Courageous Cancer Warriors. And today, our guest is definitely a courageous one. Marilyn Morales has been a nurse for over 30 years, and now it is her life's passion to educate others on PTSD, trauma, and grief and how to get over them. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the bone marrow registry and how you can become one of the people that saves many lives. So Marilyn, thank you so very much for being here today. Good morning, Lori. Thank you for having me. It's my honor. So tell me a little bit about how you've gone from being a nurse to now moving into the bone marrow transplant registry and being an advocate for them. How did you get here? So let me, let me backtrack a little bit to January of 2022. Um, I was having a conversation with my daughter who now works for Be The Match. And she was sharing with me that as she is helping her patients try to find matches, that it is still very difficult for a certain population to find their matches. And that particular population are Hispanics, Blacks, and mixed ethnicity individuals. To my story and her story as well, I had a, a little girl in 2007 who was diagnosed with a rare leukemia. Uh, the name of that is JMML. And uh, she was seven months old at the time. So when she was diagnosed with that, we were told, once we found out that nobody in the family were matches for her, right? And the best chance to find a match for a bone marrow transplant, which is what she needed, was gonna be somebody within the family her siblings, because they had the same mother and father. They were not matches for her. My husband and I were half matches. And unfortunately that wasn't good enough for what needed to be done for her. Next step was we were told because we're Hispanic that we were going to have a tough time finding that match. This is now back in 2007. We were gonna have trouble. They encouraged us to start having drives, get the attention out there so that we could potentially find a match out there in the national registry. So imagine being a mom and not being able to help your own child. So at the time, because I'm a nurse, I had gathered all the labs for my family and kept that in my own records. Back then with Be The Match, you were able to go onto the computer and look and see if you had matches out there. Unfortunately, that's no longer available now, but back then you could do that. So I took the opportunity to put in, you know, the, the test results that I needed in order to find the match of something called HLA typing, which is a protein on cells. So I was able to put in her information, saw that she had some matches out there. I said, you know what? Let me look at mine. I put my information, my other children and my husband, just to find out that I had no matches out there. My other two children had no matches. Only my husband and my daughter, Isabella, had matches. So that right there, my heart stopped. I called my husband over and I said, look at this. I said, Isabella was the only one that even stood a chance of finding a match. Had it been me, had it been my other two, we had nobody out there for us. Yeah, and so that kind of puts you in a position where you feel helpless, I would think. 100% helpless. You, there's, I can't even describe that feeling of not being able to do anything, you know? Um, and then it, it's not just the fact that you have a match, it's that the person that matches you 
has to take that step and say yes, that they're willing to donate, which is another problem. That some people that are on the registry, when they're actually called to help someone, because they don't understand a lot of things, they go, oh no, I can't do that. They think it's gonna hurt. They think, you know, something's gonna happen to them. What's the cost to them? How is it gonna affect their job? You know, because it does mean some downtime, a little bit of downtime. So how is this gonna affect me in my regular life? And they may not take that extra step. In my daughter's case, she had four matches. She had four matches out there that were good enough in order for her, us to move forward with her bone marrow transplant. Only two of those individuals immediately said, yes, they would go in and do further testing. And only one of them actually completed it very quickly and fast enough for the doctor to say, you know what, we're just going to go with this individual because this individual, you know, is on top of things, is going for everything and is very willing and able to do this. They're not hesitating. There's no hesitation on his part. So. Yeah, that, that is. Um, so I am also on the registry. I've been on the registry for about 10 years. And part of what happens, too, is that if you go through something, so example, I'm on chemotherapy, I'm no longer a match for somebody because I'm on certain medications. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that comes up for me is that two things one is that we need to really be an advocate for having this registry updated and informing and educating the people that are on the registry that like just because you get on it doesn't mean that you're not going to have further testing so for those of you listening the hla is you could think of it as an autoimmune response right so you get your transplant and then your body needs to um we need to figure out, we do the HLA testing to figure out whether or not you're going to accept the transplant or if you're going to reject it. And sometimes if you reject it, it can cause even more problems than by not doing it at all. Um, and the other thing that comes up is that people have to realize there's more tests beyond that. That there has to be, you know, just because you're a match doesn't mean that you're going to be a match. And so there's a process to it, but it's so crucial to have options for people right so in this case then so what did you do so the individual and his name is mike and he's allowed me to to share his story thanks, as mike. well thank yeah, you thanks, mike. mike who is my hero uh so so mike actually only found out that he was a match for somebody a month before okay. he had gone to a drive a month before um us actually meeting you know things were changing for her we had hoped with her cancer to get her up until up until she was two years old. The doctors were hopeful, but then things started changing with her blood work and saying, we can't wait until she's two. We're gonna have to do this right after she's one years old. And you know, the fact that we have these matches, it's fantastic because we need it now, right? He had gone to a drive a month before for another little girl in Oklahoma who needed a coworker of his who had leukemia and needed a bone marrow transplant. So he was like, well, let me see if I'm a match. But he ended up being a match for a little girl all the way in New Jersey, miles and miles away. Um, and he immediately said, absolutely, yes. You know, there was no way. He had kids around the same age. And as a father, he was like, I would want this done for my children. I'm going to go ahead and do it. This is just who he is. You know, now that I've gotten to know him, this mm -hmm. is just the man that he is and such a humble man. So we went forward with it because, you know, he went through everything. They matched at a higher level everything was great we went into transplant a month later 
and she accepted the transplant beautifully. We were out in record time. Like she did not have all the complications and rejection, like you mentioned, that other people had. And they weren't even a full match. They weren't even, a, they, we, we do something called a 10 out of 10 match. Um, he was like an eight out of 10. And uh, she did wonderfully. She did fantastic. Um, unfortunately, she passed away six months later from complications of a virus and an infection that she caught. Right. And now, and, you know, for those of you listening, especially when it comes to blood cancers, you know, um, patients are really susceptible. These are your immunocompromised patients that are struggling to make normal cells. Their cells are all coming up as abnormal cells. So infection is really one of those things that we don't think about a lot. Maybe now I think people have a little bit more awareness because of COVID, Absolutely. but especially before COVID, it was something that people didn't really think about. So for those listening, you know, we know something about that. We know what it means to be immunocompromised. And some people in our lives may not understand why we're the ones washing our hands, wearing gloves, wearing masks, really isolating ourselves, not going to the big parties, doing, you know, all we can to keep ourselves protected. So she went, she had, she got this infection and she didn't make it. Right. So and that was again, again, because she was immunocompromised. So in a, in a child, so the infection that she caused was a respiratory virus, like a roseola, right? Yeah. Which in a normal child would mean just antibiotics, a little bit of monitoring, you recover at home. But with someone like her who was on high dose steroids and things like that um, to help with the drugs that she was on for her cancer, it just wrecked havoc on her body. So yeah, it was unexpected for me because she was doing so well that I'm like, we beat this, we got this, you know, we're, we're moving forward. Everything is fantastic. So to be hit with losing her suddenly like that was devastating, yeah. was devastating. So, you know, again, after losing her is where my journey into grief began. And the realization that the symptoms I was suffering from after losing her and having fought this battle, right, was the same symptoms. And this is what I didn't mention was I was a public health nurse um, in New York City when the World Trade Center um, was hit in 9-11. And I was right there on the ground watching and experiencing this whole thing. Um, suffered from PTSD after that event uh, to the point where I became physically ill, right? And that was a struggle and had to find ways to get myself better for myself and for my family because I saw how the mental aspect affected me so severely physically where you become physically ill yeah. so one of the things I had to do was move out of New York unfortunately which yeah. was my home you know and I had a lot of guilt associated with leaving my home um, because I wanted to fight with everybody else what we were going through through that time but I knew that you know I had to get to a place where I felt safe right yeah because the constant pictures that go through your mind, constantly going back to work in the same location. It was, it was just not healthy for me. So I suffered from all these symptoms, had started to turn the corner, right? Because it was seven years after that event that I had my daughter. So I was in a much better place. 
so much healthier. And then after losing her, I was right back to square one. Yeah. And then we can relate and we can relate to that, right? As as cancer warriors, you know, we go through it once, we think we've we fought it, we think we're good, and then something comes up. A test result comes up that's not as like we want it to, or maybe we have a reoccurrence. And you know, you're correct in the fact that you're brought back to the trauma of what you had before and what you've endured before. So we like to talk about how do you keep a positive mindset through all of this? So what what were some things that you potentially could share with our listeners that would support them in with what they're going through? So mindset is the big thing. It's perspective. It's the way that you look at a situation. I learned to live in today, to deal with the information that I have today, because one of the, my issues was I was always thinking in the future. I'm always over there. So I'm never here, right? So whatever's happening today, the pleasures that I had today, I was not experiencing that. I was not experiencing joy. And you have to, you have to, you have to be positive in the day that you got, the wins that you got, the people that you meet today and enjoy that, truly enjoy it. So number one for me was perspective, is, is looking at the situation. And instead of having that negative mindset, of this is awful. I can't get through this. It's no, I can get through this. We will get through this. It was actually one of the things that got her and I through transplant. Anybody that's, you know, unfortunately been through a transplant knows that you're isolated in a room. You're not allowed to see anybody. For you're weeks. not allowed to go in and out for weeks, for months. Could be months. Yeah. We got out in a month and a half, but there were many children there that were there for three months or more. Yeah. Right. And we got out quickly, thank God, thanks to Mike Sells. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so, but every day we got up, she and I, and I always say that she had cancer, but we had cancer. We went through this together because I had to make the decisions for her. Every conversation was happening with me, not her, right? But, you know, so we went through this together and every day we got up and we got ready for our day. She got dressed. She wasn't in pajamas every day. She was dressed in her clothing. We were turning on whatever show she wanted to watch that day. Most of the times it was music. Music therapy is fantastic. And she would have a dance party in our room every single day. The nurses would come in and we're like, oh God, it's dance party in the Morales room. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. And you, you know, you're spot on because one of the things we talk about here is we celebrate the small wins, right? Okay. Some days getting out of bed is a huge win. Um, and one of the things that I always like to say is we have to honor ourselves. And one of the ways that I do that is, like you said, get out of bed, get out of your pajamas, especially now, get out of your sweatpants yep. and dress yourself so that way you feel amazing and you could shower yourself with love around that. So I love that you took that on with her. Um, what was, what's another thing that you guys, you found yourself doing? So you're having these incredible dance parties. She's dressed to the yep. nines, mm, you yeah. know, you're elevating that mood through music. Um, what was one of the other things in hindsight now you're like, you know, I'm really, really happy. I'm really grateful that we were able to do blank. Just spend time with one another. Yeah. You know, every, every, be present, 
at every moment. So I wasn't thinking, again, my, my problem is thinking forward. I'm always in the future. And I wasn't doing that then. I was today, this is, and this is our interaction. Um, the hospital had guitar players that would come and play at her door, <laughs> you know? So all these things that she absolutely loved, we did that. And I was completely there with her. I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't doing something else, you know? And I have all these beautiful memories of all this joy that we had during a time where, you know, when you look at adults going through a similar situation, there's so much into their head and in the future that they, that this experience is for them a God awful experience like COVID, right? When you have COVID and you have to lock yourself up, you know, away from your family, same thing. Um, and your mindset, you know, the mind is so powerful, you know, yeah. illness begins in the mind, right? Before it becomes a physical manifestation, it began in your mind somewhere. But guess what else? Healing. Healing begins in the mind. And once you switch it over and say, you know what? Nope, I'm going to be better. Today's going to be a better day. And I'm just going to experience today because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And what's behind me is behind me. There's nothing I can do to change that. All I can change is how much fun I'm going to have today. I love that. I love that. So through this journey, you've gone through so much. Mm -hmm. um, you wrote a book. You want to tell us a little bit about that? So going back to what I said in January with my daughter, my oldest daughter, who now works for the people that were helping us back then. She was only nine years old when this happened. And after losing her sister, made it her mission. Now, this is a little 10-year-old girl, right? Who said, I want to be the people that helped us. That's who I want. There was a child life specialist in the hospital who always came by to pick her up, right? Um, and take her off and help her with her emotions. She originally wanted to be that person, right? But it, going to college and everything else and getting an opportunity to work with Be The Match on a volunteer basis, uh, they saw her passion for the same thing and said, we want you on our team. So now here she is, right? She's 24 years old. She's working for these people. She's wanting to make a difference. And she's saying, oh my God, mom, people still in our situation. This is still hard. You know, I can't believe this many years later, it's still this hard. Um, so I said, you know what? I think I better take this a step further. Let me write a book. <laughs> Let me it. do something to yeah. bring more attention. It's just something that's going to, that's going to educate people. Cause for me, and I'm a nurse educator for me, education is key. How could you make an informed decision if you don't know what's going on? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, not only do I want to share our struggle, I want to share getting on the other side of that struggle. I want to share that there's hope being on the other side. And that sometimes when you pray and hope for the positive outcomes in your life, and it feels like you're not getting that, that there's still a purpose to your pain, that you can change that around. So the name of my book is When the Answer is No, Finding Purpose Through Pain. I love that. And so many, so many people listening can resonate with your story and with your passion to take the lemons and make lemonade, right? That's what we're all about. That's what we're striving to do. That's why so many people here are listening um, because we've all gone through our trials. We've all gone through hardship. We've all gone through disappointment. And it's really about where do you stand outside of that? So Marilyn, you are such a gift to this world 
And we're going to make sure that we put all the links to your book to be the match to all the organizations that are near and dear to you. Um, we just, I, from, from the bottom of my heart and from everybody who is listening, thank you for who you are and thank you for what you're up to in this world because the world thank needs you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.